trade secrets are paramount to a company's long-term success. Trusted employees are considered one of a company's most important assets. In our new virtual environment, protecting valuable IP following the resignation or termination of an employee can present a variety of new challenges. Protecting your assets is a four-part discussion which addresses a variety of concerns at the intersection of employee departures and protecting valuable company trade secrets. Topics covered will include navigating successful exit interviews, mitigating database damage and stolen property issues, assessing litigation implications from potential employee raids, and the handling of demand letters. Thank you for joining us, everyone. I'm Allison Reef. I'm in the Labor and Employment Group at Choate, and I'm here with my partner, Mark Edgerton, who's a member of the IP Litigation Group. We wanted to talk to you all today about handling the departure of key employees, which can happen unexpectedly and catch folks by surprise. So there are a few things we've learned along the way that may be helpful to you. The first actually relates to before anyone announces that they're leaving. We have found it to be a good idea to have folks audit their personnel files to make sure that they have copies of all the relevant signed agreements that they might want to enforce after someone leaves. That's typically a non-computer confidentiality agreement. And there are two reasons for doing that. One is that the laws that apply to those agreements have changed in many states. Most recently, Massachusetts and Washington state have changed their laws. And while existing agreements may be grandfathered um, under those laws, you may have had some employees sign agreements under those laws since th those laws were passed that you might want to revisit to make sure that they're still enforceable. If you find you have no signed agreement in the file or the agreement you have isn't fully signed, it's not too late to get one, but you have to be mindful of whether you might need to provide new consideration to have an employee sign a new non-compete agreement, for example. Continued employment often isn't enough, um, depending on which state you're in. Now, some employers include restrictive covenants in a severance agreement, if you wind up using one of those, and if you're willing to pay severance to a departing employee. But that's a last resort. It's best to get an enforceable agreement before an employee departs, as the employee likely will have already made plans for new employment by the time they resign, and they may not be willing to sign a non-compete at that time, even if you do provide severance pay. Mark, once an employee does announce his or her departure, are there first steps that you would recommend an employer take? Uh, yes, absolutely. Hi, Allison. Uh, one thing you definitely want to do is make sure you do an exit interview. And we cover this topic on other podcasts as well, so I won't discuss it uh, in too much detail here. Many companies require an exit interview as part of the departure process, but it's actually surprising how many cases involve departing employees who either uh, did not do any exit interview at all or maybe they did a more uh, very informal interview that is less helpful to the employer, particularly in cases where the employee may be going to a competitor and may have taken documents or uh, ends up uh, soliciting company employees or customers. The other thing, whether through an exit interview or some other means, companies should make sure to ask where the depart departing employee is going next, because that information can be very helpful and allow companies to decide what other steps may be necessary to take depending on the situation that's involved. 
It's also good practice to have an employee sign a certification stating that he or she has returned all company property and documents and also acknowledges any ongoing legal obligations owed to the company uh, that may continue beyond the termination date, such as confidentiality, non-compete obligations, or customer or employee non-solicit obligations. The certification may also require the employee to certify that they've actually conducted a search of their files, including any personal email accounts, and confirm that they do not possess uh, any company documents. Oftentimes, employees who take company documents will claim that they did so unintentionally or that they they just did not realize that they possessed documents in their personal files or personal email accounts. And so these certifications can be very helpful to rebut those claims that are made and also serve as good reminders to employees to make sure that they do not possess company documents after after they leave the company. Another somewhat obvious topic would be or step to take would be that companies also want to make sure that a departing employee's IT and building access is turned off. Again, this seems like a simple thing to do, but sometimes it gets overlooked. And lastly, depending on the circumstances, it may also be a good idea to review a departing employee's emails in the weeks leading up to their resignation to confirm whether there's any evidence of suspicious activities, such as emails that attach company documents and maybe sent from the employee's work account to their personal account so that they can use those documents after they leave the company. And this can be done quite easily through targeted searches. And in situations where, you know, there's reason for more suspicion, such as an employee rating situation where maybe several key employees have departed to one particular competitor within the same general time period, a more detailed forensic review of computers should be conducted to determine whether there's any evidence of suspicious activity such as confirming whether they've been accessing files that they should not have been or inserting external drives to download information, accessing cloud accounts or Dropbox to to upload information, or even just uh, unusual printing activity. So those are just some of the things that can be done when a key employee notifies a company that he or she is leaving. But Allison, let me ask you, what are some, some of the particular challenges that you may have seen in the case of departing employees during the remote pandemic environment over this past year or so? Yeah, really good question, Mark. And I have two thoughts in particular, two trends that I've seen employers struggle with. The first is make sure the relevant employment and non-compete agreements that I was talking about earlier are available electronically, especially if there's no one in the office at the moment who has access to physical files. Often employers keep those in a physical file, and while they may have an electronic version, it doesn't have a signature on it. And typically when someone leaves, you'll write a letter confirming their departure and reminding them of their agreements and enclosing a copy. And if you don't have access to the signed one, that can be difficult. So scanning or uploading all the signed agreements now is a very good idea. The second step to take is to have a plan for collecting property particularly laptops, cell phones, any electronic devices that people are using from home but that belong to the company. Obviously, when we weren't in this remote environment, those would be collected in a, in a departure meeting or could be collected on the spot and they're generally on the premises. Now folks have those in their homes. So you need to have a courier service or sometimes if you're using a forensic service, they will collect them, but you generally will want to use one of those services to collect property from people's homes. It can be arranged for people to uh, 
be home or to leave on their front porch if it's sufficiently secure, that kind of material, and it doesn't present any health concerns by way of COVID because contact isn't required, but it still gets the, the property back quickly. Obviously, you'll want to take that step quite quickly after someone leaves because folks are able to use, do anything with that equipment up until the time that you collect it from it, although, of course, some access can be shut off centrally by your IT folks. So those are some tips in the remote environment. Mark, do you have any recommendations about communications to others about an employee's departure? Yeah, yeah. in general, I think companies should be as uh, proactive as possible when a key employee leaves, because it's always better to get out in front of employee transitions, both with other company employees that are going to remain with the company, and as well as with key customers. Uh, so for example, if a departing employee has been responsible for handling key accounts, it's a good idea to plan ahead and have a transition plan in place to ensure that those key customer accounts will continue to be covered by other talented employees after the, the employee departs so that there's no gap in the relationship. And this makes it less likely that a key customer will end up buying competitive products from a departing employee's uh, new employer, for example. How about you, Allison? Do you have additional thoughts about these issues? Well, just one. External communications are obviously critical, but don't forget about internal communications. Now that people are working remotely, folks are out of sight, out of mind a bit, and sometimes the rumor mill moves fast. Um, and so you want to think through as quickly as possible, who do you need to notify internally and in what order? You also, of course, need to be careful about what you say about someone's departure. Generally, less is more, but you don't want to forget about key people or for people to find out from a source that may be suboptimal. So thank you everyone for joining us today to talk about handling the departure of key employees, particularly in the remote environment, and have a great day. For more information about Choate and how companies can protect their assets, please visit www.choate.com. You can also listen to additional podcast episodes in the newsroom of our website and subscribe to them wherever you listen to podcasts, including iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. The information presented in this recording is for educational purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice for a specific situation. If you wish to obtain legal advice, you should retain an attorney and explain the facts of your particular situation.